What's up, movie lovers? It's your girl, Rossi, and I'm back with another awesome documentary. So um, with Brooke Parrish, of course, you know, she's going to join me tonight. This is our segment that we do once a month. Um, so tonight we're going to have, we have two documentaries for you. We're going to start with the short uh, documentary. And uh, this documentary is really, really special. And we're going to talk about the director, producer, writer of this documentary and the story behind it. And then after that, we're going to get into our mini series, um, Waco. Um, what is it? Waco Apocalypse or something like that. Anyways, guys, um, we're going to have two documentaries. We're going to talk about Waco and um, it's on Netflix. You guys can see it. It's a mini, it's a, um, a mini series. There's three episodes and it is really good. So, um, you know, let's get into it, guys. What's up, Brooke? Hi, how are you? I'm good. How have you been? Good. Thanks for having me again. Of course, of course. So Third you guys time. Know, uh, uh, right? Like, like we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, we're, like we're it. doing it. <laughs> we're okay, doing good. This. So, um, so absolutely. They, they really are. So guys, you know, Brooke joins me once a month, like I said, and she brings me awesome documentaries. Um, we were lucky this month, though, because um, we're involved with the Holly Shorts uh, Film Festival. And we got a really special uh, short documentary, um, uh, a short story documentary. Um, and we'll talk about the, the um, writer, director, producer of that documentary. And then after that, uh, we're going to talk about um, the Waco miniseries. Um, and it's a limited miniseries on um, Netflix. So if you haven't seen it, go to Netflix. It's there. Catch it before it is gone, okay? But um, until then, let me let me tell you um, a little bit about um, the, the 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 film that we got from the Holly Shorts Film Festival. Um, the director and writer Sabina um, Barasha. Um, I, I want to make sure I get her name right. Uh, so Sabina V. Racha. Okay, I think that's it. Um, and the movie is called Seva Mispa. And wow. This is a really good short film documentary. Um, she's telling a story about these two families um, back in 1941. Um, is it Bosnia that they're? That, it's in, uh, yeah, yeah, it's in Bosnia. Bosnia. Um, so it's uh, two families in, in Bosnia. One family happens to be a Muslim family. Uh, the other family is a Jewish family. And uh, Brooke's gonna tell you a little bit about um, the, the who occupied uh, this this place, um, um, yeah. Bosnia at the time, and and how one family ends up helping another family that that they knew they worked together, and um, yeah. So Brooke, tell us a little bit about how how it starts. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely a beautiful story. I um, and it's you know it's a short film based on a true story. Yes. Um, and so in the beginning, uh, Zeneba is her name. She was uh, the woman that helped uh, protect her friends. Um, but in the beginning, you just see that she's reading a book to her daughter, Ada. Um, this woman named Bonna, she comes in. I believe it's her friend or maybe a family member. She comes in and she you know, sees that she's reading to her. Um, and so uh, then the very next scene after that, she is like, you know, you, you have to be careful reading those kinds of stories to your daughter. She has an active imagination and she can tell anybody, you know, and uh, it's, it was a Jewish story that she was reading her. Um, so during that time in uh, Bosnia in 1941, 
um, there was this Croatian revolutionary movement, a fascist uh, militia um, called the Ustashas. Um, so the, they were Nazi allies. Um, they brutalized and massacred uh, upwards of 300,000 Serbians, wow. uh, 30,000 Jews, and 29,000 Romanis. Wow. Um, and so I've never heard of them. And right. I don't think a lot of people have probably heard of the story. Um, right. But actually, during that time, the Nazis even protested them because of how violent they were. Right. So even the Nazis didn't really mess with them like that, which right. is insane to think about. Um, but yeah, and then uh, she ends up um, during the, you can see during the film, her uh, she sees her friend Rika, who's on the right. street. Um, and uh, there's a band around her arm. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming like in Nazi Germany, you know, the right. band or, you know, some sort yes. of symbol that you can Absolutely. tell somebody's Jewish. Yes. Um, and so they see that some of the Ustashas um, were uh, gathering people into this big truck. Right. And so she starts freaking out um, and asks um, Zaneba, I guess, to kind of hold her arm to cover it. Right. Um, so then they finally get past them. And so Zaneba takes her. Uh, to her husband's house right um and is basically like you know we're gonna protect you take care of you right. um and her husband actually was uh was uh he he agreed with her yeah so one of the quotes that he says in the film is Allah is merciful right um so he had mercy upon her friend and was like yes of course we'll, we'll and, take her in and you know one thing about um what I liked about um how Sabina, uh, the director Sabina, uh, the thoughtfulness that she put into this story because the, the, to tell this story, which is a, a, this is a lot. And the film, her, her film is about 19 minutes, uh, uh, 17 minutes long, um, but she packed a lot in that. Um, I mm -hmm. love the fact that, just imagine guys, okay, you, you have neighbors that you've known for years and then one day, you know, uh, uh, the police or whatever come and round up certain neighbors and are taking them off to taking them to camps. OK, because they don't feel like they should they should be in society and to have a family, which was um, that took the, the what was it? Um, was it uh, Zadeba? Uh, Zadeba, yes. Yeah, Zadeba Hardiga. It was her family and her husband's family. What happened was their house ended up getting bombed. And so once their house got bombed, they had to go look for another place to stay because they were Jewish. And so they decided to walk back to the family, the factory. While they were going back to the factory, Mustafa, who is um, the husband of, um, is it Rivka? Rivka, Rivka, yes. Yeah, the husband of Rivka. They, he first sees uh, uh, the, the husband of um, uh, Zaneba and, you know, takes them in you know, and hides them out, basically hides them out. And um, at that time, of course, like in, in Germany, if you are hiding Jewish people, even, even in Bosnia, like she said, the, the bands that are around their arms to separate them from, you know, the Jewish people and, and non-Jewish, uh, the Muslims, um, you, you die for that. So it was a huge deal what this family uh, did for, you know, uh, Zineba uh, Hardaga and her family. Um, so mm -hmm. telling the story um, 
there is a point in a story where they, they are living together and they, they stayed for, I think it was for days or, or weeks. It was a short time that they end up uh, helping each other out because they were trying to get to um, a certain town in Italy where uh, it was okay to be Jewish. It was safe. That's where they were trying to get them to. But there was an evening where, uh, what was it, the, uh, the Gustafa or the Eustasia? Is that what they're called? Eustasia. Eustasia showed up at um, uh, Rivka's uh, home and wanted to know who's inside because they did that. They went door to door to make sure that you weren't hiding anyone out, hiding anyone out. And they they got away that time. They weren't they weren't captured. Um, there was a time where the husband, uh, uh, Zeneva's husband, um, yeah, Zeneva Hardiga's husband was captured. He was captured after uh, a while, and they he they kept him. Um, but there was a, a big snowstorm. They weren't able to get them to the camp. So um, he was able to, I believe he got away again and, and went back to the family or, or went to that town in, in Italy and um, waited to get his family there. Okay, I, I believe the family was already there and then he, he ended up making his way there. So what I liked about the story is the fact that 50 years later, there's a war in Bosnia in, I think it was 1994. And just like um, Rivka and her husband helped uh, uh, Zadeba's, Hardiga's family out, 50 years later, uh, the, the, they're in a situation. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, just it, that, because that was part of the very last scene. Yeah. Um, the last couple of minutes. Um, they didn't go to, I, most of it was kind of directed around uh, Ritka and that situation, but yes. towards the end, um, they, they were hiding out because there was a, uh, the Bosnian war uh, right. during that time. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so th there was a lot of um, damage done to the area and, Absolutely. you know, people trying to find shelter and whatnot. Um, so there's actually a man from this uh, American Jewish organization that comes and so they arrive in a truck and um Zaneba and her daughter um Ada were just kind of standing there and so he you know pulls up in the truck with a few other people and um basically just says you know is Zaneba Hardiga here right and you know she's she's not wanting to say anything right you know, so she doesn't say anything at all and uh, yeah, then finally this guy just says, hey, I'm part of this Jewish organization. Um, right. Your friend Rika is looking for you. Right. And that's when she's like, yeah, that's me. And uh, yeah, so they took her um, and drove her to uh, Rika's house where she also went with her family. It was her and her family yes. that were also looking for um, some sort of uh, shelter, you know, housing, shelter, right. shelter, exactly. Um, they they, yeah, it's just insane Israel. how the tables kind of turned. Yeah, they went to Israel. They yes. went to Israel. Um, and yeah, it yeah. is crazy how how that table how the tables turned because yeah. in Sabina's story, I mean, she's main you're 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 mainly focused on the two women and their relationship, and um and how devoted um Rivka and her husband uh, their family was, but there mm -hmm. was a point in the movie where you know um the the husband's brother i think it was or the husband did not want to help them like they were he was afraid for his family's uh well-being as well because yes. there were three families living uh in that in that house and another mm -hmm. thing about living in that house is 
the tradition of uh, the Muslims at that time where you do, you're not allowed to have other men uh, in your home. So when, when men are there in the home, especially sleeping over, they wore their face coverings, you know? Um, right. so, but the story did center around uh, the two women's relationship and how one family ends up helping a family. And then 50 years later, that family is in need of help and how, you know, Zineba and her and Hardiga and her, her family ended up helping out Rivka's family. Like Brooke said, Rivka, this is 50 years later. So Rivka has to be about 70, 80 years old at this time. And she has her, her family, her daughters. So when they were in that tunnel trying to escape because the war broke out in Bosnia, um, you know, the, the two men from Israel that was sent by um, Zeneva uh, to go and help them and rescue them. And so they did that. They took them to Israel and um, Israel took them in because of the good things that they did back in 1941 to help, you mm. know, uh, Zeneva's and, family. Uh, interestingly enough, Ada, she, um, so a year after they got rescued by Rivka and her family, a year after that, uh, Zeneva had died. And right. so Ada actually stayed um in israel and converted to judaism right it's right. really interesting yeah. right um i really like this story i thought that the director the director uh sabina um uh sabina uh by uh virucha i think that is sabina virucha i'm sorry love if i'm getting your name wrong um i loved how she was able to pack that story in such a short film um I never it was beautifully directed and produced. I mean, even the the costumes that people yeah. wore and um, the the scenes on the streets and whatnot. Right. Every everything it was it was very well done, and I was right. uh, very much impressed by it. Right, and uh, just a little bit about the director. So um, Sabina was born in Bosnia. Um, uh, she immigrated to the U.S. in 1994 as a war veteran, uh, a war refugee. Since then, she has accomplished a lot as a director slash producer. Producer. She also had, um, in 2005, she had a critically acclaimed feature documentary, Back to Bosnia, um, which premiered at, uh, at AFI and screened over 30 festivals worldwide, worldwide winning director's choice at the Crossroads Film Festival. Um, it's also featured um, in the top 100 of the greatest films directed um, by women by the BBC. And uh, that film itself is currently streaming on Amazon. Um, and that, that's the film, Back to Bosnia, uh, the, the, the documentary that she made back in 2005. Um, absolutely talented. Um, I, I never even heard of this story before. And after I heard about the story, I then went and wanted to go and check, you know, Google and find out about these people. And, you know, when, when I watched the story, you know, obviously I wasn't expecting this, so I'm getting misty-eyed, especially at the end when the film goes right, off yeah. and connect and you see the pictures of the two women connecting 50 years later. Like, right. story, I, I wasn't, I just wasn't expecting that, you guys. Um, it, it was Both you and I were like, I'm not sure, you know, just admit it into <laughs> it. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, no, very, very quickly, you know, yeah. it really hooks you. Yes. really hooks you absolutely as soon as i start watching the film um because like i said brooke and i wasn't sure 
Um, we, we weren't, we, we, we didn't know if it was a documentary or a short film. So, and, and that's what I love about uh, a Holly Shorts Film Festival. I'm telling you, yeah. um, when we get films or they send us something to watch, I love the fact that it's something different. It's something that, you know, you never heard of or you've never, you've never seen. It's always something new. And um, I and I appreciate this story because it was something different. And, and we both learned something like, now I want to check out more different things and see, right, exactly. you know, anything to where I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, I definitely right. want to watch that now. Right. So, this yeah, was that, was, that was awesome. Wonderful surprise. Uh, Sabina, you did a beautiful job um, with this film. I'm definitely going to go and check um, and look at uh, your 2005 um, film, Back to Bosnia. And, um, and, you know, another thing for someone with the background that she had to, you know, to, to be where she is in life, like just, you know what I'm saying? Just mm -hmm. the talent from, from a background like that and to bring stories from her homeland and, and, and bring them to us all over the world. I appreciate that because right. we tend to, you know, forget that it wasn't just uh, the Jewish people in Germany that, that, you know, the this that, affected, uh, I mean, lots of lots of different countries. Absolutely. Countries in Europe, it absolutely affected different countries. And I never knew that it affected uh, Bosnia. I didn't know. So yeah, um, no, me neither. Yeah. So I it was just a really good story. Again, guys, um, the the documentary that we're talking about, it's called um, uh, Sevet Mitz, Mitz, Mitzvah. Um, and it is inspired by a true story. Again, it was written by uh, Sabina um, Sabina Vi uh, Racha Racha Raka. Sorry, love. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Holly Shorts documentary, really good. Thank you, Holly Shorts, for allowing us to um, to uh, view this. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to another uh, film documentary, whatever you have. And and Sabina, I'd love to uh, interview you. Brooke and I would love to sit and talk to you about your film and anything else you have coming up. So um, absolutely, you guys uh, definitely check it out. Um, we'll, everything will be um, in the link in the description of the video. So you'll be able to go check out Sabina and uh, other things that she has coming out. All right. But definitely check this uh, short film out. Um, now, guys, we're going to um, we're going to switch and we're going to get into um, our mini series uh, documentary and it is called Waco. Let me get the name for it. It's on Netflix right now. It's a limited series, all right? So it is not gonna be on there long. Um, and Brooke, we, you know, we may need to just go ahead and watch. I don't know if you've seen the rest of them, but watch the rest of them. So that just in case, oh, yeah. we, I think that happened to us once where a film that we thought was on there expired. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is called um, Waco American Apocalypse, and it is a three-part miniseries on Netflix, and um, it gives you a really in-depth look into Waco and the raw camera footage of what happened. Really good. Um, what did you think about it first before we get into it? Yeah, no, I, I remember just randomly watching it one day with my brother, uh, I think last March, actually, or okay. this past March. Right. And uh, so it's been on there for a while. Don't think it will be on there much longer. Um, so I do recommend taking a look at, at it Absolutely. as soon as you can. But um, yeah, no, I just it completely blew my mind that right. something like that could happen. 
Um, I've heard of it. I just didn't know any details about it. Um, and yeah, no, it's definitely um, a very traumatic event and uh, obviously still affects uh, some of the victims today, right. you know, that were part of that um, cult group. Um, and hearing their, their accounts of what had happened and their time in it um, is a little bit strange because uh, some of them still seem like they're very much into it. Absolutely. Um, or that they didn't see anything wrong with it. And others, you know, obviously see how wrong that whole situation was. So it's just really interesting hearing their perspectives on it and how yes. they feel about it now. Definitely. All right. So a little bit about what I want to tell you guys about uh, David Koresh. Okay. Cause that's, that's who this is about. I was probably, uh, let's see, I was a teenager in high school when this happened. Okay. Um, so David Koresh uh, was an American cult leader who played a central role in the Waco siege of 1993 um, as the head of the Branch Davidians, a religious sect and um, offshoot of the seventh day, um, an offshoot of the seven day Adventists. Uh, Koresh claimed to be, um, he claimed to be a prophet. He claimed to be Jesus. All right. That's who he claimed to be. So, um, so yeah, so that was just, I, I remember, I remember when he would uh, be on the news and, and uh, talking, talking that talk he talked. Um, anyway, so he- Oh, so you saw it live. I, I saw it on the news. Yeah. I remember when you it saw was it happening. live. Oh, yeah, wow. I saw it on the news. I remember when it was happening. Um, oh, and wow. I, I'll be honest with you, the Branch Davidians, I never realized his name's David Davidians. I never, I never put that together. So, oh, right, right. Yeah. Yes. He was able to get uh, a lot of people to follow him and believe that he was Christ. So what they did was they built this, um, this, what do you call it? Uh, compound. Compound. There you go. They built this compound in, uh, on Mount Car Carmel. Carmel and um, in Texas. All right. Huge compound. I remember they said that it looked like it was put together with um, two by fours and just, you know, your, 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 your base wood, like, and it was freaking huge. Um, the problem was, was that it was, it, they, it, there was a tip off saying that these people had thousands, thousands of freaking guns. Okay. And not um, just any sort of gun. They no, were no, no, no. these were <laughs> yeah. forty to fifty machine guns, about a hundred hand grenades. I that mean AK forty sevens. I mean just things that they couldn't yes. they shouldn't be able to put their hands on. No, they shouldn't. They had this one weapon that was called um oh, what was it called? Oh, it was called the um it was a rifle, the Barrett rifle, fifty caliber. It was a it it was an armor penetrating. Um, machine gun, uh, cannon, damn there. So um, you want to start, you want to start with um, the first day. So we'll, we'll set it up. In 1993, the U.S. government served a search warrant um, for machine guns against religious leader uh, David Koresh. That's how, that's why they were there. It was for a search warrant. I think it was maybe a couple of cop cars that pulled up, you know, right. they were just going to come and inspect, you know, whatever. And uh, yeah, no, they had no idea what they None. were dealing with at all. Um, you know, there were people that were behind the doors, up on the windows, on the right. roofs, you know, with guns and bombs and all, all sorts of weapons. Right. Um, so yeah, they came in to try to get um, David, uh, what was his last name, Koresh? Uh, Koresh, David Koresh. 
Koresh, uh, trying to get him outside to speak to him. Right. Um, and yeah, people were only speaking through the door. N- right. Nobody ever really opened up the door. I think until right. later on, but you know, just initially. Um, but yeah, it just immediately started firing. Right. I mean, just no hesitation at all. And it completely took them by surprise. My thing was um, when they showed up, you know, and, and, and going to serve a simple warrant. Um, I, I don't know who shot first. That's the thing was all of a sudden you just, you just hear gunfire and, and you see mm-hmm. shooting and then you, you have the whole ATF shooting at them there. So I, that's my thing is who shot first, because that that's always been a conflict. The, the, of course, the Davidians say that, of course, the ATF shot first, the government shot first. And of course the government says that, you know, they, they were shot at first. I don't know, but but it did happen, and it happened to be the largest gunfight on American soil since the Civil War. That's mm-hmm. how huge this was. And fifty-one days. Fifty-one days. Fifty-one two days. Yes, and so we're just on day one. We're just talking about day one tonight, guys. We have two more days left, but this is day one of all of this happening with a simple, or maybe not a simple warrant, but they thought it would be an easy, you know, they weren't expecting oh, yeah. it. I mean, um, right. and the story is told uh, through um, many different people. Uh, Heather Jones, uh, she was a Branch Davidian. Um, she was nine years old at the time that this happened. Her her uncle was David Koresh. Her dad was, um, uh, her dad, uh, his name was uh, David Jones was her dad, okay? Um also, you're going to hear a lot from uh, John um, McLemore. He was a, the news reporter, okay, that happened to be there because, remember, they had the news reporters. He came out as well because it was supposed to be a really big story, right? Um, Jim Cavanaugh. Jim Cavanaugh uh, played a very central role in this because Jim Cavanaugh was the watcher. He was the one that uh, had to keep an eye on what was going on and, um, and kind of relate uh, everything that's going on to, you know, every, everyone else. Okay. So uh, he, he's, he's very important here. Um, and then we also hear a lot from um, David uh, Thibodeau and uh, David Thibodeau was a branch Davidian as well. He survived. So they, they survived, but also um, David Koresh's wife, one of his wives, uh, Kathy Schroeder. Um, and she also obviously was a branch Davidian. So tell them the fact that there was children, like they oh, were, yeah, yeah. when this happened, remember they were having, they were up making breakfast, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, David's wife, uh, Kathy was, said she was making pancakes and they were just, they were just having a regular day, waking up, getting ready for breakfast and doing all that when, you know, it was being staged outside of, you know, the ATF and, you know, whatever yeah. the government shows up and, to get a search warrant and and granted there's there's i guess too many guns for one person to own especially when you are a cult leader go ahead bro your thoughts oh 100 um yeah no i know that uh in the beginning of the first episode there's a woman and i forget her name i should have written it down but uh she was saying that that it Lee felt Hancock. like there were yeah yeah she was saying that there was just always a mother around there was always 
there, there were lots of women there that were mothers. And so therefore there were a lot of children. So um, I don't know the exact number of mothers and children, but it was right. probably most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I just, I can't imagine what that would have been like for the kids, you know, right. and I don't want to go too deep into like what ends up happening, but right. um, yeah, no, it's just a horrific thing that happened. And um, yeah, I don't, so, I don't well, really know. The first episode, um, so with the first episode, guys, what you're going to see is obviously, um, like we said, they're, they're serving a search warrant. Um, the, the family, the, the Branch Davidians are, are rise and shine, getting up, uh, having breakfast, just normal everyday, you know, things that they do, all right? And then we're, we're getting ready to serve this search warrant. Um, the, the ATF, you know, they, they have their shield and everything. They're going to the front door. Like Brooke said, they're there. All of a sudden, fire breaks out. We don't know who 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 shot first, but shots were were fired, and it was like I mean, seeing the video, the raw footage of the the fight that first day was just it was war. It was it 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 was it was crazy, and the fact that they didn't realize how outnumbered the government, the ATF, was against these people. And on that first day, um, you have the news reporter that shows up that morning because he he had mentioned, um, and let me make sure that I say his name because he had mentioned that he too it was and it was a Sunday morning by the way guys it was Sunday morning John uh, Micklemore uh, he was on his way to church he gets a phone call um, from the camera guy I believe it was saying hey where are you going going to church no you're not there's a huge story that's developing right now. So he goes out there not knowing that they would get this 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 on camera like um, the, all this footage. So you have the 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 news reporter there, and like Brooke said, just a small group of of ATF officers there. Once the 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 fight breaks out, it 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 it's it's crazy, guys. It's absolutely crazy. You have ATF with ladders that are trying to get up on a roof because you have uh, this compound has like um, towers, you know, with people up in towers. And like Brooke said, they don't have just, you know, a couple of shotguns. No, this is 40 to 50 machine guns. They have uh, uh, over a hundred hand grenades. So they're, they're ready to go. So this this is just versus the ATF's pistols, you know, that they're using. Exactly. They didn't come prepared. They didn't think this was going to happen. So they 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 do they do fire back the ATF. Um, the part where they have the ladders and they're getting up on that roof to get into one of the windows that's up there, seeing the 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 some of the ATF guys get 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 hit with bullets. Um, two of them on the roof had had already passed. They, um, I think his name was Ted. Uh, I can't think of his last name, but Ted was hit as well, not mortally hit, but he was bleeding out. And they have the audio, the audio of the 911 calls, the calls between each other of, you know, uh, Ted, I believe his name is, one of the ATF officers who's just, you see him sky view lying on the ground, bleeding out. And they can't get to him because this, it, it, the fight is just, it's crazy. You then have um, Jim Cavanaugh, uh, who is the ATF, uh, the, the agent. He's the one that we will call the watcher, okay? Um, he had two long rifle uh, uh, gunmen with him, all right? And they're, they're far out, uh, and they have their sights 
Um, hearing him tell the story of one of the young men that was the rifleman, the long rifleman, uh, he was a young kid that had, uh, he was, uh, he had his 26th birthday was supposed to be the next day. He ends up dying um, because they had, remember, they end up having that 50 caliber uh, Barrett rifle. All right. So a 50 this, caliber. I mean, 50 compared caliber. to like a 22, a 50 Absolutely. caliber. Barrett there's no, yeah, there's Armor no words. You're, yeah. Yeah. So needless to say, they got their behinds handed to them on that first day. It was, it was horrible. And they, they also lost lives. Um, there, there was a, a few people that died that, that day on the first day um, inside yeah. of the compound. Um, like Brooke had mentioned though, um, the, the, the women that were talking, like the niece, I felt really sorry for the niece. She was nine years old at the time. And she's telling her story of being in there and hearing uncles being hit with, with, with bullets and, and the screams that she heard. There's a lot, there's so many kids in here. And I don't think they realize how many kids actually were in there, but there was at least 20, 20 plus kids in there. Okay. So she's inside and she's telling her story, but I'm telling you, they were absolutely devoted to David Koresh. They believed that he was, that he was King, that he was mm -hmm. Jesus. They absolutely believed it. And they were willing to, to die for it. Um, but there were some problems when um, uh, his name is uh, the, the friend that also told the story. Um, David Thibodeau. David Thibodeau, who was a Branch Davidian, who also lived, he also was inside. And he's saying, his story is, of course, why did they come here and shoot us? Like, why, what, 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 what did we do to anyone? Like, what, what, what is the problem with us owning guns? And that's how David felt, you know? Um, but of course, looking back through history with cult leaders, it's, it never ends, it never ends well, you know? I mean, James Jonestown, you know? back in the seventies where he had them all drink uh, Kool-Aid with that had cyanide in it. And you, you know, they lost hundreds of people cause they all drank the cyanide, you know because he told them to um, the, the leader of that group. So the Branch Davidians, you know, to me, um, when you find them- uh, Very much comparable they're, I, they're, for they're, sure. They're, yeah, they're, um, the, the way that they, they think it just, where are we going with this? You know what I mean? With, right. I, I get, I get why the, the government was a little bit, you know, scared of the fact from what we know that they had guns and, and so many guns. I just can't believe that he, he was so good at pretty much brainwashing all of them that right. not one of them was like, there's something wrong with this. This doesn't right. seem like a religious movement you know right. this seems more of like you're trying to create some sort of militia or right. you know whatever it was just yeah yeah I, I I can't really understand that right um so uh so how they end up getting to the house I just want to backtrack because we're going to talk all over all over it so when a news guy is on his way there um the reporter, he's, he gets lost, okay, because he can't find where this compound is. He's, the, the, there's a mailman that's out uh, delivering mail. It happens to be David Jones, who happens to be uh, David Crush's brother. 
The news reporter doesn't know this at the time that that's his brother. So when the reporter, you know, uh, stops the, the mail delivery guy and asks, he's asking for directions. Of course, David, you know, is like, what, what's going on? What's what's happening? And the reporter's like, oh, we're, we're you know, heading to, there's something going on. Uh, the ATF is something going on at the compound. The reporter not knowing that this is a, a, a Branch Davidian, um, he 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 then leaves the, the the David Jones who is the mailman uh, gives directions heads back to the compound to warn David and the others that the ATF right. they're outside they're getting ready to come here they're getting ready to storm us whatever okay so that's how David Koresh was alerted that they were there just to let you know how that went about happening okay um, so. That's why they armed up the men inside and went to their different posts and spots um, to get ready for this showdown that they felt was going to be a showdown, okay? So that's why they already had guns. It's not like the government showed up at the door and you know they were unarmed. No, they got a warning. Right. Um, also, I do wanna also uh, uh, bring up the fact that we did have an informant inside of the Branch Davidian, okay? And his name happened to be um, uh, Robert uh, Robert uh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yes, um, he was actually an under uh, ATF undercover um, agent who had made it into the Branch Davidian, and so he'd been there. I don't know for how long he's been undercover, but he he was he he sold them as being one of the Branch Davidians. So. Uh, he and David are, Denise is saying that she's hearing he and David are talking about what's going on out there. Uh, uh, the undercover agent, uh, Robert, ends up leaving out of the compound. And I remember when he left out of the compound, he, he, he felt like he was going to get shot, like they were going to shoot him. He then goes back and goes to the, the meetup uh, house or uh, hideout where the ATF, they're staged at and lets them know the gig is up. They know that you guys are out here. They know that you guys are here to serve some type of warrant. So that's that's how that all happened. And that's why when the ATF approached doors, they had their shields, they were ready for whatever. Okay, so just to let you know a little bit about how that happened before the gunfight um, battle that was, like they said, the, the biggest one in history since the Civil War. It was a lot. Um, by the end of this, though, um, when cops are, or ATF agents are, are dying, um, some were on the roof that were, were, were dead. Um, um, Jim Cavanaugh was like, we have to do a ceasefire because they're, 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 they're losing. Like they're, they're getting their asses whipped by this group, mm -hmm. not realizing that they had more than what they even thought they had. I mean armor piercing rounds, they're done for. And remember, you, lo you lost that one long, long rifle uh, agent who was gonna be 26 the next day, a young, young, young agent. So um, Jim gets on the phone with David and they discuss a ceasefire just so that they can get their wounded out so that they can get to Ted who is bleeding out and you know is on death's door. Um, there is a ceasefire. David does go along with it, but in order, there were things that David wanted. He wanted for them to 
um, uh, read a, 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 a page or a, 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 it was like a letter about him. Um, he wanted his name out there. He wanted to be on the news. He wanted, he wanted others in the world to believe as well that he was, you know, Christ himself. So there were things that he wanted. It did get to a point, though, uh, Brooke, that remember, they also, you know, once the ceasefire happened, it was, you know, later where the ceasefire happens, they're getting their people out. Uh, there's not enough ambulance there. So they're, they're using the reporter's uh, uh, van to get wounded, to get the wounded out. I mean, they have one agent on top of the, the roof of the or the hood of the van getting them out. Um, the, the, the cameraman, uh, he has a tape, but he has it hidden because the, the agents were pissed and, and felt disrespected that the cameraman was there. I remember the reporter saying though, like, um, they didn't mind us being there when they didn't know it was going to be a fight, but now that, that the, you know, they seem right. to have you know, got their asses handed to them. Now they don't want to be on camera. Right. You know? Right. So, and you, you see know. the agents just looking just so like yes. one shocked too pissed right. but also just defeated mm. you know absolutely so what happened is is that later on in the documentary what happens is because of because of how this went down uh this is a huge problem so the united states has to send in um another group of agents and this is an agent uh agency group where when things get really really out of hand they bring these guys in and um let me see. Let me get the group here because I want to make sure that I get the right group here. It was another, it, they were a hostage uh, negotiation um, special specialty ATF uh, group. And when they show up, they show up because things have gotten out of hand and, and th there's more that needs to be done, right? Yeah, so they come in and um, th they're, they're, they're deciding that they have to negotiate getting those kids out of there because we have to get those kids out of there. We know that there's kids there. Uh, David wanted uh, to be on the news. He wanted a videotape that he made. He wanted it played on the news. He wanted a statement read and then he would release the kids in twos, okay? Um, the twos is really um, important because it goes back to David's mind of him thinking that he's Jesus, he's God. And you know, with Noah's Ark, you know, there was pairs of two, two giraffes, two, you know what I mean? So you get, you get right. where, how his mind was. Okay. Right, so yeah. he, he let them out in twos. Um, they ended up getting, um, uh, I think about 20 kids out. Um, and once they got the kids out, the parents inside were really afraid to give their kids to the government. They felt like, is it safer for my kids to be here? Or as they called it, you know, Babylon, you know, do I want to send them into the world of evil? Well, the, the women inside let the kids go, but the deal was we're going to let the kids go. But as soon as you get them to where they're at, we want you to get, make sure those kids give us a call. So we know that they're okay. And you get to hear the phone calls of the agent on the phone, because, you know, there's a new agent that has arrived on the phone you know, here's here, for instance, here's Bobby. Bobby talked to, you know, hi, how are you doing? You okay? I'm good. I remember she said, you know, keep God with you or something that she said to one of the kids. Remember he's king and David loves you too. And so the, the parents got to see, okay, the kids are all right. Although unsettled by the fact that they're with, you know, the, us, the, the United States, others who don't believe that David is, you know, king, 
they weren't too happy about that, but that was the deal that David Koresh made with uh, the, the hostage negotiator. Finally, after getting the kids out, it was wanting to let other people go. They're getting ready from what uh, his wife says, um, uh, Kathy, that they're inside, they're getting ready. Um, they, and they, there is one, one part where the grandfather uh, of, uh, of uh, one of the, the girl that was nine years old, um, Heather Jones, she was talking about hearing her grandfather who died in that in that battle as well. And it's this is just a side note, guys. Um, he he was hit in the stomach and she was just saying the screams that he would make and begging them to please, you know, you know, relieve me from my misery. And the Davidians did on the inside, they did uh uh end up, you know, finishing off grandpa because he was in a lot of pain. So, you know, they went through a lot inside as well. And I'm sure those kids, you know, traumatized absolutely. Um, but the problem was they did everything David wanted them to do. They, they, you know, got his statement to the news, the videotape to the news so that the world would know that he's king. But unfortunately, uh, David decides that, um, he, he, he can't, he can't let the rest of them go. He says that, uh, God told him to wait. So they're all inside. Kathy's saying they're looking around there. David says, God says to wait. So that's what they do. They wait. And um, we'll see what happens, guys. Uh, episode two, um, we're going to shoot that. Um, that will be um, September 25th. We will be back for episode two. Just to let you know that we're coming back for episode two. Um, guys, this is um, this is a really good documentary. I mean, this is really good. Um, it's it's really sad though, but to see there's a lot of film in it that hasn't been shown before. So much at all. So much. Things that I that obviously wasn't going to make the news in '93, but to see all the raw footage that the cameraman got, I mean, yeah, it was it was more than what we thought it was. Um, what did you think about it so far? It's yeah, like I said, there's a lot of footage that um, that I haven't seen before because, like I said, I knew about the story and whatnot, but right. you know, um, obviously things that they wouldn't show on right. the news. Um, but yeah, no, it just, uh, I really liked hearing about the people that were part of that group, hearing their stories about right. it. And, um, you know, I feel like everybody likes something that just seems so wildly insane, you know, couldn't actually happen. And that's one of those stories. So, yeah, I, you know, what's sad about it is the fact that it's like, people want to believe in something, you know what I mean? They want to yeah. believe in something. Some people that are radical about their beliefs, you know, whether it be religious beliefs, whatnot, but what with religious beliefs, it's like they want to be able to touch a Christ on earth. They want to be able to, you know, to know that their pastor is Christ. It's just that what are you, what are you, what are you lacking to where you need to have someone like that to believe in? And where is your mind at to where someone is able to, 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 um, make you believe that they're Christ, you know, like, yeah, the fact that he was able to do that, it, it's, and they, they're willing to die with him on that. They're still, they were calling yeah. him King on, right. on some of the tapes, uh, the, the audio tapes, you hear Kathy, you know, mentioning, you know, the, the King, David, the, David, the King to this day, till this day, this documentary came out in March of 2023. These are up-to-date interviews with these people. And to this day, these people are calling him King. Kathy was, 
Well, if you think about it, like you and I say now, you know, oh, I could never, you know, be that gullible to believe in stuff like that. But he convinced hundreds of people. So, I mean, really, you just you never know. You never know. Some people are really good at what they do. Yeah, they Um, are. I mean, that's that's terrifying. It is because something that that something that is lacking in your life whatever happened in life that made you follow this, this man. And he he could have been just a nice man. He could have been, you know, maybe because he was so knowledgeable about the Bible. And for some reason, when people are really knowledgeable about the Bible, you can use that for good, or you can use that for evil, you know, and David was able to do that. He was able to do that because he can rattle off a scripture, you know, it's, it's, um, and and another thing I just want to mention is the children who are absolutely innocent. You have adults that are leading these kids, you know, down the path that you're going and not thinking about the kids. But but maybe they were thinking about their kids because they felt like their beliefs were good, that David was good. So, right. you know, right. but we're going to get into those kids and how great of a man he was, okay, because there are some things that are going to come out. Um, that we're going to discuss about what actually was going on inside of that compound. Um, so like I said, guys, yep. we're going to discuss that um, uh, on September 25th. We'll be back with episode two. Uh, you guys can check this out on Netflix. It's called Waco um, American Apocalypse. Uh, the first episode that we're just talking about is called In the Beginning. All right. So um, Brooke, thank you so much for yeah, joining you. me. Um, also guys, don't forget, you can also check out, um, our first documentary, um, and that was, uh, Sabina, um, Vireshka, and her documentary was called Sebep Mitzvah, all right, and it's a short film, but based on true events, and you can check that out as well, um, everything will be in the links, you want to shout, shout, shout out anyone, give a shout out, shout out, shout out, whatever. I can't think of anybody, but <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Guys, I want to tell you, I, I put this girl through a lot today. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I had this girl. It's all good. I, thought I, put up the, I thought I put up the wrong the wrong Waco because there's, there's another one on, on Hulu as well. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. that's the one. I'm getting ready to watch that one. And then I realized, oh, wait, I did put out the right one. Got to get in touch with her again and say, "Oh, scratch that, scratch that, girl. We're not doing that. One. Yeah. We're doing this one." I, I just, mean, I just go with the flow. You know? I was cool with anything, really. <laughs> I appreciate Brooke. Um, we love Brooke. Um, we appreciate you always coming on with great documentaries. Yeah. Um, we're go- after we finish up the David Fresh one, we're, we have another one that uh, Brooke was talking about, and we'll discuss that. But we'll get through this first, and uh, that's about it, guys. Um, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And um, we will definitely be seeing you guys next time.